This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, I got my man Rico, a Buffalo Bills content creator over at Buffalo Fanatics. We're going to talk podcasting. We're going to talk content creating. Of course, we're going to talk Buffalo Bills. And we're also going to have a nice, lengthy, honest, candid conversation about race and racism. This is a show I've been waiting for the right guests for quite a while to have this conversation. That's going to happen today after the interview with Rico. By the way, I just off the old soapbox. I get on it and I got a message for all of cancel culture out there. So stick around for the entire episode for that. I'll have that for you in just a couple of minutes. But before that, though, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by 26 Shirts. At 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. And then that shirt is gone. Here's the best part about what they do. And folks, they do so many good things. For every single shirt sold, a donation is made to that specific campaign or to that charity each and every single time. Since 2013, when they started, their designs have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. And by that, I mean well over three quarters of a million. Just nuts. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job enriching the lives of many people. It's awesome to see. Not to mention, these are really outstanding looking design shirts. Very comfy, very sporty. They look great. I have a couple of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's do the show. Let's do it. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and you'll hear it talking proud, talking proud. The good life that you share with nice people who care. It's time to tell them all we're up and standing tall. All right, podcast fans, what is going on? How you doing? Welcome to episode 236 of Talk About Flow Podcast. I want to thank everybody out there, as always, for continuing to listen, download, support the show. Really means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. In fact, I'll tell you what, if you are a subscriber to this podcast and you'd like a chance to win a free pizza and 20 wings, from our friends over at Macy's Place Pizzeria, quite literally a premier spot for pizza and wings in Western New York. Go to my Twitter page, at Pat Moran Tweets, and I'm going to put this information in the show notes as well. Pin right at the very top of my page are details on how you can win. It's very easy. And yes, if you're not in Buffalo, if you live somewhere else, yes, you can still win. You can gift the prize to a family member a friend who lives in Western New York, if that's what you want to do. Again, check it out on my Twitter, 
at Pamoran Suites, a chance to win some free pizza and wings from Macy's Place Pizzeria. As for today's show, I'm going to be joined shortly by Rico. Rico is a Buffalo Bills content creator over at Buffalo Fanatics. Very popular one. It's got a great vibe to him and energy. When he's on the mic, I really like it. Very personable. I think he takes Bills fans who follow him, watch his show, and he retains them because he's very entertaining and interesting to watch. Anyway, we're going to talk about Buffalo Fanatics. We're going to talk about his weekly live stream show on YouTube. It drops on Friday night. Very interactive. People who watch can get involved in the show. A lot of fun. Of course, we talk a little Buffalo Bills at the end. I ask him a pretty simple, straightforward question. Uh, three things that he's most excited about when it comes to the 2020 Bills. And on the other end of the spectrum, three things that right now at least scare him the most. And I'll tell you what, too. Pretty interesting answers, especially one of the things that scared him. I think is a legit point and one that we don't talk nearly enough about. We will today, though. And besides that, Rico and I have a very candid, a very open discussion about well, about race and racism. And this stems from something that went down on Bill's Twitter not too long ago involving some tweets that led to ugliness, man. And uh, there's no way to mask it. I'm not going to get into it here much at the top, but it's something that I have wanted to talk about on this podcast for quite a while. But frankly, I didn't feel it would be authentic or useful to talk race or talk racism without having somebody whose skin color is different than mine and getting their perspective. So that's why I'm doing it today with Rico. Uh, I don't think it's appropriate for two white people to have conversations involving race when both are white people and they can only speak from a white person's perspective. So, you know, and it's not a conversation that's particularly comfortable. But it's the kind of dialogue that I feel like needs to be had for people to hopefully understand, hopefully learn. So maybe some of the racist shit that plagues a society every single day, maybe can start to change a little bit. I don't know. And I know it's heavy. And I know there's a topic that not everyone wants to talk about or a topic that everyone wants to listen to. But this is one of those days where, uh, you know, I'm drawing a line in the sand. It's important to me because we all have to be better. All of us, all races. And we need to stop using excuses about the environment, uh, the society that we grew up in, where we come from, what our parents taught us, all that stuff is being excuses, especially in this day and age. So there's that. But like I said, we also talk content creating. We talk Buffalo Bills too. Rico's just a very personable guy. I like him a lot. Got a smooth, old school, like almost radio voice. Uh, I like him a lot. I've wanted to have him on this podcast for quite some time. So that day has finally come. It's a heavy chat, but it's also a fun one too. Combination of both. So without further ado, here it is. My conversation with Bill's content creator over at Buffalo Fanatics, my man Rico. All right. I am joined right now by a very popular Buffalo Bill's content creator at Buffalo Fanatics. Has a really fun weekly YouTube live stream. I've been checking that out on Friday nights. Nice presence on social media too, man. Good guy. My buddy. Well, not my buddy, but we will be at the end of this episode anyway. Rico, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? What it do, baby? What's going on, man? What's happening? <laughs> I'm good, man. Uh, today, we kind of talked for a couple minutes before we started rolling this tape here. I often have a really tight format, and I know 
kind of where the interview is going to go before it happens. But in this case, we're going to be winging a lot of stuff, some heavy, some lighthearted, some fun. We're going to have a discussion about some racial stuff. We're going to talk Buffalo fanatics. We're going Uh-oh. to talk bills. You're, the, you're my guy for this, man. I've been waiting for you and uh, I've been holding off on this, some of this content anyway for a good month because I wanted the right person to talk to and that right person is you. Yes, sir. Uh, let me say this too before we dive into stuff. One of the things I like a lot about your show and just your style, I think there's no one specific style that makes somebody a good podcaster or a good content creator. Like for an example, one of your colleagues, Joe Miller, dude just has a natural voice like he sounds just when he talks he sounds like he should be on the radio it kind of pisses me off and i'm a little bit jealous about it and to be honest with you when it comes to somebody like say uh like a bruce nolan who has a podcast on buffalo rumblings it's not the voice he's just incredibly prepared and and smart and he just sounds like he always knows what he's talking about my favorite thing about you is your personality you have a lot of charm man people kind of gravitate towards you you look like you're having a really good time when you're doing your shows and, and personality matters a lot and you lose a bit, man. That's probably my favorite thing about you. I appreciate that, man. Personality is everything, man. Like you, you meet someone for the first time. I mean, first impressions are, are obviously key. Physically, you look at the person, you're like, okay. But the once conversation starts to, to, to flow, you want to be able to like someone. You want likability and you can't take yourself too seriously. And I think that's, one thing that I try to really express to folks and say, hey, man, I can joke around. I can make fun of myself. I can take the brunt of it, of, of people yeah. making fun of me as well. So you, you got to, man. And energy is everything. Energy is everything for me. I mean, if you give me negative energy, I want no parts of it. So I try to be <clears throat> as possible, as positive as possible. And, uh, and you know what? Usually that it's reciprocated by others. So if I ooze that, then so be it, man. More people watch me and and we have fun, man. That's what I try to do, man. Pat, I try to have fun at all times. Uh, I'll tell you what, I know you're a wrestling fan. You just found out that I was one. You kind of have an R-Truth vibe to you when it comes to <laughs> your content. And I don't get me wrong, that's a very big compliment, too. The dude's fun. He's funny as hell. He just, again, just the personality shines through. Like, I'll put on a lot of YouTube shows and I'm not talking about necessarily your brand. I'm just talking about any brand. I don't even have to be Buffalo Bills stuff. And it's kind of straight talk and it's informative, but it's not really so much entertaining. You're one of the few live streams that I'll turn on. And I don't always catch it live, but I'll catch a replay at right. the very least. And it it makes me stay. You know what I mean? Your attitude, just the way you move, like you talked about the energy that you have. I feel like if I put it on for five minutes, I'm going to put it on for 50 minutes because it's just... uh. It's that personality. It does. It shines through. And I don't think you could fake that either, by the and way. I, and I'm glad you say that. I'm really glad you say that because that's that's one thing that I, I really try to do. Same thing that you do, like anybody does, right? Nowadays, you, to retain someone's attention is so difficult, right? Sure. You watch TV shows, five, 10 minutes of it, like, nah, I kinda, I've seen this show before, right? Even though it's a brand yeah. new show to you, you've seen the concept before. So uh, when I get on the mic and I get in front of the camera... Um, I want to try to retain you for as long as I possibly can. And it may not just be on the subject of what we talk about all day, all day is bills, right? I might sneak in a music lyric out of nowhere yeah. and someone might yeah. catch that. And then I'll read the comment and I'll say, Hey, Pat, I noticed you like that line. Boom. So now we have relation right there. You relate to me because 
I said something that that attracted you. So now you and I, without even physically being in front of each other, we made a connection. So to me, connection and engagement is what I try to bring out to the people that are viewing and listening. And as well, that's what Buffalo Fanatics is about. Look at all the personalities that we've brought on to Buffalo Fanatics. They're nice, genuine people. And we have walks of, we have all walks of life in and at Buffalo Fanatics. And it's, it's important to us, right? So uh, when you, when I, when I notice that people want to stay and listen, it's exciting to me and it fuels me. And uh, I mean, it should fuel everybody that's, that's behind yeah. a mic and behind a camera. I totally agree. And that's a good point too. I think retention is something about podcasting or, or live streaming or just videos. That is a very underrated thing. People want to look at download numbers all the time or total views. And I'll tell you, give me a hundred people that are going to tune into this podcast in the first minute and listen to the last over 1500 people that are going to turn it on, listen for a couple of minutes and, and then, you know, browse around and, and go do something else. So absolutely. That's definitely important. Now we'll talk about Buffalo Fanatics more specifically in a little bit. I've had Joe on recently. I've had Steve Mathis on. I've been looking forward to having you on for multiple reasons. We're Those are talk my boys, Buffalo. man. They represent it. We're going to talk Buffalo Bills as well, too, a little bit later on. I want listeners to know that. But I, I want to start here, and this is going to be a serious conversation. Uh-oh. And again, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and I, I, let me say this too, okay? Now, a lot of people... And sometimes I make this mistake too. You and I are both pretty active on Twitter. We know how Twitter is. Here's the thing though. Everybody who listens to this, like for an example, this podcast, they don't necessarily even have Twitter. So they don't know what I'm talking about. So I kind of got to refresh a little bit without getting into too many boring details. And this is some people who do know about it are going to say this is old news and it's not old news. Okay. It's been more of, I've been waiting for the right guest to have, to be able to have this type of discussion. You know, you have to be able to relate to something and it has to do with race. So let me put that out there for everybody listening right now. You and I talked about this for a few minutes before I started taping. My attitude is this, when it comes to race, if if you're trying to have a discussion, you need to be able to relate to something. And I feel like if two white people are having a discussion about how a black person should feel about something that's said, or, you know, seen, I don't feel like I can give a proper perspective because I'm not in your shoes, but you are. Do you know what I'm saying? Correct. All right. So I just want to make that real clear right off the top here. It's kind of like, for an example, and this is completely unrelated, everybody, I'm down here in Florida right now, Rico, and everybody Mm -hmm. in the world up north is talking about what's going on in Florida, this and that with the coronavirus. You don't have real perspective. I do because I'm here. You know, I'm seeing it every day and I'm seeing what's happening to people. I know several people who now are positive for COVID and this has all happened in the last month. But my Mm -hmm. point was this, I could give you perspective on Florida that other people can't because I'm down here and I'm seeing what's going on. I've seen all the situations that have led to it. So anyway, so that being said, man, um, early in June, a guy who is a podcaster and does some writing for Buffalo Rumleys, his name is Nick Bat. And let me throw a disclaimer out there to listeners. Now I'm not friends with Nick on a, like a personal level. I've never physically met him. I've never had like phone conversations with him. However, I do know him. I would consider him like social media friend of mine. I've been on his show. He's been on mine for the most part. I think he's a really good guy. And he put out some tweets, man, that 
or controversial, I mean, frankly, and uh, I don't really know any other way to say it. So <laughs> I'm going to. Like you, I said, you sounded like you, I don't want to touch the subject. I'm trying to balance to. a line. <laughs> I'm trying to balance a line here because I, I don't want to throw Nick Bat under the bus because I think there's value in having this discussion right. with you because I think there's something for a lot of people to be learned. Agreed. I That's agree. one of the reasons why I want to have this discussion. So I don't want to throw him under the bus because I don't think he's a bad person, but I think. His tweets were bad. I mean, let's just put that out there. And there was other stuff that ended up happening because of this with another brand, another uh, Buffalo Bills fan organization that went back and forth. I'm not going to get into any of that because it's irrelevant to this particular conversation. But let me read some tweets. All right, now this is on the heels of some racist stuff that's been going on in our country and our society. And on June 1st, I'm going to read these as a whole and then I'm going to get your reaction afterwards. All right, so on June this stems all the way back to June 1st. Uh, Nick tweeted at the time, I feel powerless, paralyzed, and depressed. Here's the only thing I could think to say and that I've said elsewhere. I am racist, often subconsciously, occasionally to my great shame, consciously. The world is full of people like me or worse. That's why this is systemic. At the time, you tweeted back to him immediately. So I'm going to read at least that one tweet right now. Sure. You said, so, le- so let me get this straight. You try not to be racist and you don't think you'll ever be able to fix this. Did you not see what this disease has done to the world? You have a small child, man. They see and hear everything we do. You're their example and reading your words. It's very sad. Nick says after this, I don't think we're on the same page, man. I'm acknowledging that despite me trying really hard not to be racist ever in any way that in my head, I am sometimes that I've struggled with it. That growing up in a town with two black kids got baked into me real young. And then he tweets, and the most helpful thing for my personal growth was to acknowledge that. And then I still fight against it. And I hope a lot of other white folks have the courage to be self-aware enough to admit. So we don't have to claim, well, I'm not racist or all lives matter, etc. From there, some people went at him. A couple of people give him credit for his honesty. A lot of negative stuff, but a lot of, you know, it, it went both ways. And he says... To one of the tweets, I could not agree more. I used to be the guy who said, but the looting or not all cops are bad or I'm not part of the problem. I get where those responses come from, but I got a lot better at listening when I realized I was in fact 99% nine unintentionally part of the problem. So before we go anywhere else, and those are the tweets. And again, it's led to a shit storm and a lot of it's deserved. And I do not agree with a lot of what he tweeted. But again, it's not about me right now. I want to get your reaction to this, what's your take on this? You're sitting at home or at work, wherever you were, and you're watching this unfold, you know, right in front of you, because I, I don't know who he's trying to speak for, but he did. What, so what's your reaction, Rico, when you hear something like that? So so here's the deal. Nick put that out. First of all, I don't know Nick from a hole in the wall. I don't. Right. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we are, like you said, social media friends, acquaintances, however you want to put it. Right. Uh, We follow each other. We did. okay. And I try not to take Twitter and anything on social media, social media too seriously. But when he put that original tweet out and I had no idea about it and I noticed that. And it bothered me because I noticed that it was up there for, I think, a few hours before I answered. I I, I don't recall. It was it was over a month ago, but nobody said a thing. Nobody checked them. Nobody said, whoa, man. You sure? It was all support. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, Brave of you to come forward, but no backlash. No, like you need to explain yourself. So, yeah. And and I got to be the only one to do it. 
you know what? Hold my drink. Let me do this. Right. And I wanted to to come at him, not disrespectfully, but to make him realize that admitting that you're racist and you it's in your subconscious. It, it's not. Oh, it's not. It's still not OK. So I had to let him know it's not OK. And the fact that, you know, you are and it's subconscious and you have little eyes following you, you have to be the example. I don't care if you had two black kids in your in your neighborhood or, um, you know, in, in your county or wherever you're from. We're not way back when when your things are not on TV. Things are on TV all the time. Right. We're in an era where you're on social media all the time and you see what's going on around the world. And you, you still feel that way or you still subconsciously feel that way. I, I had an issue with it. And uh, and I when I replied to him, um, I had to make sure that he knew that I'm replying to you. So you understand that what you're saying, although subconsciously you feel like it, it's it's happening. It's still not right. And I have to have a conversation with you. I have to tell you that you're not right. So I wanted to see how he'd respond. Right. Because sometimes you. When you you check someone, you want to see what the response is like, and his mm-hmm. response—it's almost as if he he was digging himself. In, in my opinion, felt like he was digging himself a deeper hole, and and then I just didn't want to engage anymore. I said what I needed to say, and I let it be, and that's when everybody else started. Well, I don't want to say everybody else, but some people started to chime in and say, "Yeah, you're right. How could you do that?" And it always takes one person to stand up before others start to kind of follow behind. Sure, right? And it wasn't to trash him. And I, and I have to make that very clear. It wasn't to trash him because we even had conversation, um, I guess, behind closed doors, but uh, in the DMs, right? He personally messaged mm-hmm. me afterwards. And he says, listen, man. And he tried to explain himself. Um, and it was almost as he, he he was apologetic, but the apology wasn't sincere, right? And 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 I had to, I had to understand it um, while he was replying to me. So, and what, and this is what I felt. And I, I'm just going to say it the way I felt it at the time. It I was you as, as if he put his words out and it's as if I took the power away from him to say, no, it's not okay what you just said. And when he replied to me in, uh, in the DMS, it was, it was almost as if he was trying to re-explain to me and make me understand where he was coming from. Almost as if trying to take the power back, but no, like you don't get that opportunity. And it was almost as if he was trying to, uh, like force feed me to understand where he's coming from. So uh, at one point, I mean, not to get to too much details. At one point, it was to we got to a, I guess, a common ground of listen. I understand you want to learn, you want to have conversation, which is amazing because a lot of times a lot of folks don't want to have conversation with black folk, right? They just want to assume, which is a big problem. Stop assuming. You have a question, you have a concern, you're confused about something. You know I mean, read a book, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do do these things to educate yourself instead of just assuming it and, and going by some of what your family and friends are saying, because sometimes they're not the ones they're not guiding you in the right direction. So um, I so I told him, I'm like, listen, man, here's how here's how I feel. And I expressed to him how I felt about it. And he asked me, so what should I do? I said, honestly, man. Go on YouTube, read a book, start to start to kind of educate yourself and and realize the issues that are going on right now. And I told him straight to straight to him. I was like. People like you are what make this place terrible. So you've got to start to change. Now, whether it's a small conversation with me or just simply educating yourself, then slowly you'll start to change. And it if and I, and I wanted to reach out to him really hard to let him know that you have little ones 
that are watching you because that's the next generation. And if you subconsciously start saying things and doing things in front of them, it never changes. So you have to start changing yourself, whether uh, it's me (laughs) that does something or you have a friend from a friend or something. Just try to educate yourself. And I tried to make him understand that. I think he does. I don't know. Uh, But hopefully his actions uh, change um, in his home, because I'll tell you right now, he even admitted that his wife and I, I'll say this. He told me that his wife told him that I was right and that he needed to settle down and smarten up. So, and I'm paraphrasing here. And I think he I think he understands. So hopefully that conversation and further educating himself on the subject hopefully changes him, his family, his friends around him, and he becomes a better man. And I, I got nothing against him. And we're not perfect. We're not perfect. And I'm never going to try to uh, make him look bad. It's just hopefully that conversation, sometimes a tough conversation in what is what starts the ball rolling uh, to better yourself in any topic. And this happens to be a topic on race. Well, I'll tell you this, Rico. I struggled about having this conversation publicly on a podcast because, again, as a person, from what I know about Nick, I like him and I do think. And I genuinely believe this. And if I didn't, I'd, I'd call it out. I think that he genuinely, not just, obviously he needs people like him. I shouldn't say him. People, because this is a, a bigger thing than just what he said, because I think it represents what too many people out there feel or say. I think he genuinely wants the education and to learn, as opposed to some people who would just have a throwaway apology once they put their foot in their mouth to try to get out of something. I, I legitimately believe that when it comes to him now, here's what pisses me off personally as a white person, even about tweets like that is it's not like alcoholism man. you're not battling a, you know, a drug addiction where you need to go to rehab and, and work a program for 12 steps. Okay. It's not that hard to change your point of view on something. You know what I mean? Just through one conversation or something, racism is not a, physical addiction that's inside your DNA. You know what I mean? That you, like I said, that you got to go work a a program and and go to rehab. The the environment around you can, if you make it that way, it could just be an excuse. I'll say this. I mean, there's two things in those series of tweets that I highlighted because I I think that there is an element of truth about them, but Again, it, it comes down to it's still at the end of the day, it's just an excuse. When he said in his first tweet, when he ended it by, that's why this is uh, systemic. And also that growing up at a time with two black kids, that stuff got baked into me real young. Now, there's some perspective that I need to get from you as a black person, because again, I cannot relate. I cannot walk in your shoes in certain situations. There's things that happen that are going on in our world, I, I just simply can't relate to it because I'm not walking in your shoes. Only you can. Right. Uh, kind of vice versa in this. Uh, it is true to an extent. Like, I'll give you an example, Rico. I'm born and raised in the west side of Buffalo in the 70s and 80s. And I lived in a, the west side was a largely Italian neighborhood. A fair amount of Irish people, including my family. Very white. Um. But the difference with some kids was sports, believe it or not. Like, I've grown up. See, this is where even maybe I can't relate. When he says a town with two black kids, not the case with me because I grew up. Like, I played 
Little League football at LaSalle Park on the west side, and it was white kids and black kids. It was like 50-50. I've been around different cultures, Puerto Rican kids. I've been around different cultures for pretty much my entire life, mainly because of sports, baseball and football as a young kid. In the 80s, I got on the hip-hop rap. I'll tell you right now, I know more hip-hop from the 80s and 90s, probably than 99% of the people you know, white, black, I don't care what color. My man, let's are. go. <laughs> That's just ingrained in my culture. That's just how I am. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now, there, I do know that, especially kids that didn't play sports, that were from white towns, that they never were around other people. I'll tell you what, let me continue my story, too, because this is where I'm going with it. In high school, I played some sports. I was never, I mean, I was okay. I was never great at really. And I was a lot better in my mind than I physically was on a field. Let's just put it that way. But I went to Duville college, which is uh, a small sub- suburban college in Buffalo. And I played on the basketball team and I was around everyone on my team were white kids from the sticks, man, from like Silver Creek, Springville, all these small I don't want to say head towns because that's how it's going to say, but that's kind of what, I get what you're saying. What they I were. get it. I that's get it. what they were. They were they were a bunch of white people who, who were on this basketball team, and I'll never forget because again, I was born and raised in the city, man. I've been around all types of people my whole life. These some of these community colleges would come into play, so we'd go on the road and we'd be playing a bunch of of black kids in college, and they'd be intimidated and scared because they had never been around people like that before, mm-hmm. and. It was just, it, it was really weird to interact and see people who hadn't, you know, experienced different cultures. So I, I think there's a point to be made when he says growing up in a town with two black kids, which I don't agree with again, ultimately at the end of the day, but that it gets baked into your mind. Our parents, you know, if there's a, a racist kid out there, if there's a 13 year old kid who's out there saying the N word, guess what? At 12, 13 years old, that ain't that ain't even on him. I don't even hate that kid for it. That's his parents. I agree. You know, that, that's, that's your family. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's an element of truth to saying where you where you are raised or what your upbringing is. Maybe not so much the town, but like your parents or the family that you're around, what you see makes you kind of a product in some ways, at least anyway, of ultimately what you are. There Too often we, we get that where you grew up in a town of, a small town and there's, and there's no minorities in the small town. I, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I understand it. And um, in Nick's position, he learned what he expressed. Right. Um, and it's sad because like you said, the 13 year old, you don't blame the 13 year old. You blame where this person learned it. Um, but we, there's so much things on TV and that, you can see what's right from wrong. And that's what, it, at the end of this, what it comes down to, what's right from wrong. Like mm-hmm. treating someone differently because of how they look, what skin, the, the, the color of the skin. Just, it's it's love, man. It's gotta be love. You can't think that you are better than that. And that's what it comes down to. There's a bit of uh, superiority that uh, white folks tend to, to be, to believe, A, or they were taught, B. So uh, we're trying to, break down that barrier, but it's very difficult. It is very difficult. And um, all it takes is conversation. Conversation can steer you uh, in so many directions and make you kind of understand. And sometimes people don't want to have conversation, right? Whether they're too scared, they don't know how to bring it up. Um, But sometimes you just got to dive in and just ask the questions and you're going to get the answers you're looking for. And hopefully that molds you uh, to, to make change. Because I'll tell you this, man, um, that 13 year old that learned from his parents uh, has the ability to 
kind of le- leave away from what their parents' thinkings are and yeah. form their own opinion and then revert back to parents and say, mom, dad, that's not right. Right. And that little conversation with mom and dad can kind of change things. And that's that's what it comes down to, man. Conversation at the end of the day. Um, but I do I will acknowledge that there are times where it is difficult for for people that come from regions that don't have minorities and all they're not used to being around minorities and they don't know how to act. They don't know what to say, right? right. Even even folks right now. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm at work. Somebody wanted to have a conversation with me and um I needed to know where so he he wanted to tell me where someone was. And this person happened to be black, but I didn't know. So he goes, yeah, uh, you need to go see such and such. And uh, he's the brownish, light skin. And he went through all the descriptions, but it's confusing me because I don't know who, who he's talking. You're talking about an Indian man? You're talking about an Asian man? Like what? Just say the black man. But right. people are so sensitive these days and they don't. And also they don't know how to say things. So it just makes it super awkward. Just come out and say it, man. We, we got tough skin. Black folk, I tell you right now, we have tough skin. We are resilient. Just have a conversation with us and we'll, we can make it. It's just that sometimes things just, they they end up going to a direction it doesn't necessarily need to go. And it's conversation. At the end of the day, man, I don't want to be long-winded, but conversation is key. Um, and if you start to have these conversations, I mean, we heal at the end of the day. I'm not trying to be all philosophical, but we heal if these conversations start to happen. I agree with you 100%, and I'm glad you put it out that way, too. And I got, I'll, let me say this, too. As a middle-aged white person, race discussions or what's acceptable, what's funny, what's not funny can be confusing for somebody my age anyway. Right. Because in today's day and age, you you really do. You have to be careful what you say. And I mean that sometimes in the most innocent of ways. For like, sure. Let's just say me and you have been boys for a long time. I might say some, you know, race, what could be determined racially insensitive <laughs> right. jokes that me and you have been friends for a long time. You're going to laugh your ass off right. Right? because you know me and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. I grew up in an era in the, in the eighties when you had shows like fall and the family was dumb, but it still was popular. The Jefferson's was a really popular show. Mm-hmm. Again, I went to a very diverse high school. I played football. It's half white, half black. And we were all boys. But my point being is that, and during those days in that era and that time, it was more, I hate to say, racism is never acceptable. So let me make that real clear. I will, So I want to be careful with my words here. For sure. Joking around about race was a lot more acceptable back when I was a teenager. You know what I mean? I would have some black jokes and they'd have Italian jokes, even though I'm Irish, but whatever. Black people would have Italian jokes at, at me and my friends and, and we, we would laugh. It was fun. Yeah. It was, T- it, times you know, were different back extent. then, man. You times were a lot, a lot different of back things. then, a lot more insensitive. Like Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, they're kind of those comedians. And they would never, 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 never be able to, it would never work in today's day and age. TV shows like the Jeffersons, the Jeffersons ain't never going to happen in 2020. You know what I mean? They're all in the family. It's <laughs> sure. never going to happen in 2020. For sure. You know you know what I'm saying? I Stuff totally like that. Do, so man. I think people who are maybe older than 20, 25, if they're in their thirties or older, I think that's something maybe some white people might struggle with a little bit is, okay, well, every times are just so oversensitive. That it's really hard to, you know, draw that line between you, what's you can't what's even acceptable breathe. and what's not. You can't right? even breathe on people these days, man. Like you say, some everybody gets sensitive. Uh, le- levity is 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 being lost because everything is there's so much tension right now, and and there's tension everywhere. I mean, I I don't live in the United States. 
I'm in Canada here, right? And it's a very multicultural country, very mm-hmm. much so. Um, so although we do face racism, we face prejudiced people, like uh, just ignorant people, but it's, it, it happens, right? In the States, there, it's a little different because uh, I don't know, man, you, you just every, every other day, there's something that you see in here. Um, because just the tensions are rising everywhere and you can't, you can't say nothing, man. So I'm just hoping that with, with conversation comes levity and then we come together and then we just get to loving each other again, man, because it's too much nonsense. So for Nick's sake, I really hope that my man really took in what he said and took some time to reflect and, and, and move on from the man. Cause you don't want, you don't want to sit in this situation and, and beat yourself up, beat yourself up over, um, I mean, words you said, they, in my opinion, weren't, uh, they didn't paint you in a great light, but you have a, you have an opportunity to redeem yourself. So it just, it takes time man. it takes time, redeem yourself, do it genuinely. Um, and you, you'll be fine, man. He'll be fine. And, and there's many Nicks out there. So that, that same, that same, I guess, advice goes for all the Nicks that are out there that are, are unsure of how to say things or subconsciously feeling some type of way, man, just educate yourself on things, have conversations and, and hopefully we, we start to mend together. Well, I agree with you hundred percent. That's well said. I also conversely hope that fans or just people in general in society give people like that an opportunity to make a mistake and to more importantly, learn from it as opposed to wanting to cancel something because somebody says something that's inappropriate you know, he should never have a podcast again, or he should never be able to write a Bills article again. I don't agree with that either. Yeah, that's that cancel culture, man. Yeah, I, that bothers me a lot. You yeah, know, somebody too. makes a mistake. We all make a mistake. Look, I've made a lot of mistakes. I'll call myself out. This has absolutely nothing to do with race. But Rico, maybe, I think it was like 2011. It was maybe a decade or so ago. I had a blog and I built up, and it's unrelated to racism, but it's kind of the same point of what I'm getting at. So I had built up a blog started from nothing and slowly methodically built up a following, built up a lot of credibility, got myself into a position where I was actually covering Bill's games. I was allowed in the press box at times. I um, did a lot of stories, did a lot of interviews. Point being is I was doing well. And so I'm, t- I'm talking to I a mini wrote, celebrity. No, well, maybe at one time, but then <laughs> okay. you were talking to a guy, you're talking to a guy I got fucking destroyed because of one mistake, Absolutely. which I deserved. Okay. Now in 2011, Sean Merriman got detained at the border and I was in a, I decided at the time I had gotten some information, wasn't entirely accurate. And instead of double and triple checking mm. good sources and, and, and the rule in journalism has always been this Rico. It's don't be first, be right. I wanted to get this out because it was a big story brewing. I know somebody personally at the Buffalo news who was starting to learn some information, some details, and I was really desperate to get it out. Here's the point. And again, this has got nothing to do with race, but it's got to do with making a mistake. Absolutely. I rushed the story out. It was it was um, not factually correct. There were some big holes in it, some big holes. Bottom line, look, I'm trying to paint myself here as a victim. I, I fucked up, okay? <laughs> yep. I messed up. I put that story out, and I'm telling you, dude, within 24 hours, I made it, even though a lot of what I wrote was right, I had such holes in it that all Sean Merriman had to do was deny it, which he did. And technically he was right. It just destroyed my story, destroyed my credibility within 24 hours. I remember it would be on pro football talk and some other places and people came at me 
They canceled me. (laughs) Basically, basically what I'm saying. They canceled culture. Even it ate me up, man, because of, again, I worked really hard and I I made a, a one mistake, but it was, it was a bad mistake. And it took me a very long time, frankly, to recover from. I lost a lot of readers from my blog. It took me quite a while to build it up. And in some ways it was never the same. So my point being is that people make mistakes and I've learned from that. Like, and again, this is, I, it's really dumb in a way for me to compare journalism to race. I know that that's kind of fucked but up, but I, I'm I understand the correlation because people are just ridiculous. They, they don't agree with something. You, you made a mistake. They're ready to just boot you off the earth, boot you off the island because you made yeah. a mistake. Cut it out, man. People make mistakes. They can redeem themselves. Yeah. And you know what it does? And like somebody like, and again, I'm only using Nick as an example because this is very specific to our conversation. Right. I hope people give him an opportunity to learn to educate himself and let him build himself back up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see him not have a podcast anymore or anything because of one mistake. Cause I think that's bullshit. Cause I do, at least I personally genuinely believe that he's regretful. And here's the last thing too, about this. And this concerns me not so much about his tweet specifically, but if we're going to cancel somebody because they make a mistake, now you, you are willing to have a conversation with this man. You're willing to help educate. You know what I mean? You you just said it. Dialogue is everything. For sure. If we're going to cancel somebody because they fuck up and say something regrettably, or whether they feel that or not, you know what you're doing? You're making hordes and hordes of people out there who are feeling a certain type of way afraid to say anything, and they never do. For, and then listen. maybe because they never tweet something or they never have that conversation with their friend or a stranger or whoever, they never make any change because now they're afraid to say something or tweet Pat, something. It, you're speaking facts, man, because that's that's what it that's what it is. And and even myself, I had to check myself because I'm like, listen, man, as a man of faith too, uh, I know that we aren't perfect and people are going to uh, make mistakes and say things they don't mean. And as a, as a human man, as a human being. I will react a certain type of way, but I got to check myself too and be like, and I had to having conversations with my wife and I'm like, okay, maybe I went too hard. Maybe I went too hard and I was too, um, I was too, like, I mean, too harsh on him. So I got to like relax and, and actually have dialogue because he's pleading for dialogue. But at the time I was not ready to give him dialogue. I was like, yo, go do your homework. I ain't trying to, I ain't trying yeah, to and that's fair like too. walk you through this, go do your damn homework. And then when you, when you like, you know what I mean? Kind of educate yourself or you do whatever you got to do, maybe then we'll talk. And you know what? Maybe in the future, him and I will chop it up. I don't know. It's just the, the point of the fact is, I just hope that whatever he's doing and for others that are in this very situation, that is genuine. And in this cancel culture nonsense, can we cuss on this thing? Yeah. This cancel also bullshit. This cancer, this cancel. I hate that. Cancel him. He's done. Let me tell you something real quick. Buffalo Fanatics. We um we got into the into the game and because I'm only bringing this up because you brought up the Sean Moore, the Sean Merriman and mm-hmm. that you had some information and you put it out there and it didn't it didn't work out well. Right. right. And yep. we we at one point uh, built ourselves up a little bit in the in the community, in the Bills community by getting information from from certain folks. And we hit bang on one of them was the the Ed Reed coming to Buffalo as the coach. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that was happening. We had some information and we put it out there. We were the first to put it out and boom, credibility, right? Second one yep. was uh, Shaq Lawson with his labrum. I think when he, or when he hurt his shoulder, nobody knew about it. Buffalo fanatics put it out there. Boom, credibility, right? So we're in that business. It's a tough business. First of all, when you break in that type of stuff, right? Then the Jeremy Macklin happened, <laughs> right? Yeah. We got that wrong. 
Oh boy, did the boy did they come for us in on Twitter? Y'all are trash. Y'all are this. Y'all are. You know what I'm saying? So they're ready to say, "Yo, y'all, are, you guys can go back to what you guys are doing with this whole Facebook thing, right?" We took a major L in that. So that's easily that was easily an uh, an opportunity for us to fold and say, "Oh man, we out with that." Nah, man, we just put our heads down, grind it out, and get back to it. That's what you had to do. But unfortunately, you had to take an L. So did we. Yeah. And people, we take L's all the time. And I say this all the time. These L's that that folks talk about, uh, I don't see it as an L. I see it as a lesson. Right. I made a mistake. Learn from my L, my lesson. And then we keep it moving. Right. And there's going to be many lessons that we learn in this life that we have. man. not to get to all deep and shit, but that's just what it is, man. No, dude, you're 100 percent right. And I'll tell you what, to this day. You're still going to have that L is still going to come back every now and then. And no matter what you do, no matter how good of a, of a live stream you have, no matter how good of an article somebody writes, they're always going to have something to bitch about, or they're going to rehash that to this day. I got in a fight. I'm not going to say the guy's name, not a fight. Cause that's when it fight, you got some we were exchanging. <laughs> so we were exchanging some derogatory tweets at each other on Twitter. Let's put it that way. Me and somebody from the sports media. Okay. It's the same shit. He always comes back to the Sean Merriman shit like for fucking oh boy. a decade okay. ago. Which again, is kind of my point because like I was just talking about with Nick, I hope everybody gives him an opportunity to educate himself on this because again, I, I do personally believe at his core he's a good person and I think that he's got a lot to learn when it comes to, to race. I don't know that he's going to because I don't know him on that level, but I do think he wants to. That much I can confidently say. But anyway, my point is I just hope that, like you said, with cancel culture, give get the guy a chance before before you bury him. But at the same token, he's going to have to have some thick skin too because oh, yeah. that's just the way it goes. When you're a public figure, and let's face it, man, I mean, we might, we might not be celebrities. We're not John Murphy. You know, we're, we're not Adam Benini and stuff like that. But a lot of people... We do something that's very public. When you put something out on your live stream or on Fanatics or I put something out on this podcast, whether there's two people that listen to it or two million, it's out there for the world to have the ability to consume. You know what I'm saying? Yes, they do. (laughs) They'll consume, they'll dissect, and they'll throw it right back in your face. That's that's, that's just the life. That's the life we are in right now. One more quick thing about race stuff here, and then I want to talk for a couple minutes about Fanatics. For sure, man. So I feel like there's two types of races, and this is what I want to ask you. There's... There's the blatant racist. I mean, that doesn't need much description. You can take one look at them or hear one syllable come out of their mouth and you immediately know, like, this racist motherfucker right here. Yep. You know that right away. <laughs> to me, and, and again, from black friends that I have and people that I have conversations with, that's almost person doesn't even bother you as much as the person that I would call, like, the convenient racist. Like, that's somebody who, for the most part, is really cool you think you know them anyway. You know what I'm saying? They're uh, back. Like they love the whole world. Well, it's convenient for them until something happens. And I'm going to be honest with you, Rico. I've been around plenty of these people in my lifetime, man. Be sitting there watching a, a TV show. I don't want to be too graphic here. We'll be watching a game or something. And you've never heard this guy snap before. And then he sees something on TV or it's some kind of, uh, a crime where a, a black person attacks a white person. Sure. And I'm not going to say word for word what comes out of their mouth. Right. You can, you kind of know where I'm going with mm-hmm. this right here. You see something like that and then it's like, all right, well, I'm not racist until I get angry. Then I'm racist. Like mm-hmm. I call that a convenient racist. Those kind of people to me are even worse. Would you agree with that than say the blatant racist where you already know who the enemy is? The blatant racist, you, 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 you dismiss them. You dismiss the yeah. blatant racism. It's the, it's the, let me, let me give you the, the, the token, 
uh, backhand racist compliments that we as black folk get. And quite frankly, it's, it's really annoying, right? So someone that's that's well-spoken, well, uh, can put thoughts together um, and, and may have a, a very deep vocabulary, will, you'll, you'll have white folks say, oh, you, or you speak white. I speak white. <laughs> what the, yeah. what the hell does that mean? I speak white. Oh, but no, it's, it's a good thing. Oh, so what <laughs> is speaking black? Uh, so now right. they're put up against the wall. So these are the, these are the things we have to have these, these tough conversations. Let me put you up against the wall. What is the, what the hell does that mean? Uh, 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 those conversations, you can't say stuff like that, right? That's that, those are the things that some folks think that they're giving us a compliment, but it's a backhand compliment or being called, Oh, you're, 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 uh, you're like a Carlton Banks. What? Carlton Banks, an educated black man. That that's, and, and, and thing is they're not, they're giving you the compliment, but it's not really a compliment. It's a back, it's a backhanded one. So right. those type of things, yo, that, that irks a lot of black folk. I'm telling that right now. It irks a lot of black, for those that especially try to get rid of that stigma, right? Of not speak or not speaking well or not having a, 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 a verse vocabulary. Nah, man, like enough of that. Enough of that. So it, it, we get sick of that type of stuff. So that those are the ones that you got to deal with because those are the ones that are in your in your quote unquote your circle, your circle of friends yeah. or your circle of uh, acquaintances. The ones that are blatant are, are the ones that you don't you don't see on a daily basis. You just know there are folks that way. But the ones that are in your circle, those are the ones you want to really check and have meaningful conversations. But those things, man, let me tell you, white folk, saying stuff like that, man, that irks us. <laughs> don't 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 be saying stuff like that, man. That's some that's some that's some craziness. But anyway, I didn't want to go on and rant like that. But you get you catch no, my, what I'm, I'm saying. I'm glad you are. And again, I've had. Uh, I usually don't have these types of conversations on this podcast, but in this case, I, I really do. I feel it's important. I'll tell you, I'm not going to say who it is because he's a pretty good friend of mine. But I've had an interview. Where I interviewed a black person before, and when I was describing him, I described him as well spoken. Inadvertently, I didn't mean any disrespect by it, but it was taken disrespectfully. And now, as you described that, and he said the same thing to me, I kind of was giving him a black and compliment. Sometimes when you call a black person well-spoken, it's like, well, you know, white per- person, you don't say that. If yeah, a white person speaks well, If a white person speaks well, you don't say that. You, you know, whatever, educated, whatever. But if you go out of your way and you say, you know, what a black person, this person's well-spoken, it's like, well, isn't he supposed to be? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Like, you get, like, things yeah. like, oh, she she's pretty for a black girl. What? <laughs> she's pretty for yeah. a black girl? Come on, man. Like, it's things like that. You feel me? So... Uh, and there are many little sayings like that 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 have been uh, out there, and some folks don't think that some white folks don't think that that's uh, that's wrong. It is, man. It is, and we don't like it. So, uh, but we can't get there unless conversations are being had that you can say, "Hey, don't." So, whoever's listening to this crap and you you say stuff like that, you're like my Oreo friend. Don't do that. Not cool. You might get smacked up. Real quick. Right. I, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, man. Like I said, it was important for me to have this conversation on this podcast because, again, going back to, you know, the, the premise of what we started talking about here, like what say with Nick is I, I think it's important for somebody to learn from their mistakes and have an opportunity to learn from their mistakes. And again, I'm not really comparing him so much, but it's kind of like people who have went to jail for a crime before and they're reformed and they come out and they actually educate people on their mistakes so that they don't make those mistakes. Sure. You have hope for somebody like a, a Nick bad or just anybody like that, you know, who who's done some regrettable shit before or said some regrettable shit that they have an opportunity to educate themselves, learn and not just better themselves, but better people around them. So on a bigger platform at the end of the day, 
as much as he stuck his foot in the mud a month or so ago, maybe a year from now, you and I are on this podcast and we're having a conversation about how much good he's done hey. for not just himself, but for other people That's right. because of a mistake like that. Never and he know. learns from it. Again, we all make mistakes, man. So let's learn from him. That's no the, doubt. My man, Pat, you're speaking facts, boy. <laughs> it's just, I feel strong about stuff, man. I really do when it comes to this. It's tough to be in this day and age right now. It really is. It's it's depressing. It really is the coronavirus. And I certainly ain't going to talk about politics, man. I just, I, I can't do oh, it. Oh, boy, but that's a nasty one. It's just, because uh, it'll drive me crazy. And we won't end up talking about <laughs> anything else. It's just a really hard time right now. And I just wish people were kinder with each other. I mean, we can't even agree on people wearing masks right now. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's fights and debates going on about that. It just, it, it's this is, sad. This is the tension. This is, It's a lot of tension. There's a lot of, it's a lot of negativity, man. 2020 has been a heck of a year. Woo. And we're not even hey. there. We're in <laughs> halftime. Yeah, we're in halftime. Well, hopefully the second <laughs> half will be better. Yeah. So tell me for a couple of minutes anyway about Buffalo Fanatics. Not everybody who's listening to this podcast, most have, but not everybody knows about it. I know it was created in 2013. Pierre started that. It was, it was just a Facebook group at the time. Like there was no blog. There certainly was no podcast. There was no YouTube live streams, at least at that time initially, man. It's really grown in the to something special, big presence on social media. Absol- like absolutely, man. It did start off as as a Facebook group. It did. And there's no bones about it. We you gotta start somewhere, right? So we sure. started off as as a Facebook group. Um, and uh we were we were formerly the Bills fanatics. Um, for those for the OGs that have been uh following us for some time. Um, we were the Bills Fanatics. And as Bills Fanatics, we were simply um a Facebook group. So we we put some we put a roster together of some admins and um and then uh the Bills themselves decided to hit us with a cease and desist. You cannot use the word Bills in anything that you guys do. Oh wow, so I like, never knew that. Oh yeah, man. We they they said, hey, you can't do that. Take it out. So we're like, man, we kind of built this thing to on Facebook that we're, 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 we're like, and I, I always called it the bridge. We are a bridge, right? To the team, right? These fans want to discuss the team and talk about the team. And we're, we're bringing new fans to be fans of this Buffalo Bills team that's on the rise. And then here they come hitting us with this cease and desist. You guys can't use the bills. So we had to totally rename. And then that's when we re- rebranded everything, right? We, we didn't just want to be a Facebook group. We wanted to be A, on all f- platforms, and we wanted to speak for the fans, right? And that's where engagement was everything. So if we're mm-hmm. going to uh, have a community of fans that love this team, the way to do it is to have people engage with one another. I'm from Canada, man. So we have a whole bunch of Bills fans up here, a lot of them. And we, we make up a big chunk for those that go down to the game. So- uh, Buffalo fanatics, uh, emerged and then we started hitting up on Instagram, then on Twitter. And if you, if I'd be surprised if we are not on any social media platform right now that you wouldn't know about, we are everywhere and we want to be, we want to be global. We want to be huge. Like my man, Joe Miller said, man, take over the world. We're going to try, <laughs> we're going to try our very best. <laughs> and the big thing for us was engagement, uh, with everyone and young, young fans to, uh, fans that have been fans of the team for 50 plus years. We want them to all come here. So podcast, if you don't do the YouTube thing, you got podcasts. If you're one that likes to surf the web, you've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are everywhere and we want to be, and we want to be uh, diverse, diver- a diverse group because 
I mean, not to go back on race, but if you if you look at all the brands that are out there, they're all they all look the same, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at Buffalo Fanatics, you've got a group of white, black, older, younger. Uh, we have females part of our crew, so uh, it's it's a it's a we try to bring everything and everyone together to make Buffalo Fanatics what they are, and we're, we've we've got so much more room to grow. Um, not to get into all this, but uh, myself, Pierre, and Bobby, like we put our heads together uh, to try to. We're always trying to. What next? What can we do uh, to bring more people uh, awareness to this team? What What can we do to bring more awareness to the community? Because there are so much people out there, there are beautiful people out there that 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 are like from Idaho, from uh, in Taiwan. Like my goodness, you'd be surprised how much people that that really rock with Buffalo Fanatics and. Uh, let me get, let me tell you, it all started from Facebook. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we're yeah. not just a Facebook group anymore. We are a brand and we're trying to make a big movement. And we've got a hell of a team that we put together uh, with the podcast team, with the the blog team, the writing team, uh, the online personalities, including myself. Man, we, 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 we working, man. We're working. And uh, <laughs> we've got, a, we've got a way, ways to go, but we're working. It's a grind. It really is a grind. I know a lot of fans out there that are fans of yours or like fans of this podcast, they, they know that, but there are some out there who just, you know, it's not just like you're all right. So if you're going to do a, a one hour YouTube show, you don't sit in front of your computer two minutes before it starts, hit record, talk for an hour, hit stop. And then that's a wrap, man. You Not only do you have to put out a good product first and foremost, but promoting it is a grind, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram Lots of other venues as as well. When it comes to promoting, it's a real grind it sometimes is. to to grow a brand. It's a lot more talent matters. I mean, at the end of the day, that matters. If you have a podcast and it's produced like shit, or if the guy sounds like shit, or if the topics that you're talking about are shit, it's not, not going to matter. But if you have a good topic or whatever, it's it's still more than that. It's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of grind. And I think sometimes people don't realize just how much of a grind it is. I spend a lot of time. I would even almost say that between this is the easy part for me when I do a podcast, I get an opportunity to sit down with someone like you and me and you are rapping, man. We could be at a coffee shop right now. We could be at a club. and oh, I'd we're be, chopping it up. We'd be having this conversation. This is the easy part. It's the afterwards. It's the producing, the editing in some cases. It's, it's writing up the show notes. It's getting it out on Twitter. It's promoting it. It's putting yourself out there time and time again for, you know, to give more fans an opportunity to check out what you're putting out that shit's a grind bro it, it's a grind because you don't realize like you i have like the wife will come down here and she'll be like well, what are you doing i was like oh i'm getting ready to uh to go live or i'm ready to make a video she's like okay so how come your your ring light's not on i was like oh i gotta take these notes so i'll, I'll be sitting upstairs for about an hour just writing down in my book of what i'm gonna talk yeah. on and then once i get my information i'm already crossing things out that ah, i'm not gonna touch on that i'm not gonna touch on that I'm like, okay, good. I've got my four points. I may have put like 10 to 15 points and I'll take maybe four or five of them. And then now, mm-hmm. now that I've gotten my information, now I've got to mentally prepare myself to, to bring energy because nothing sucks more than when you have someone on screen talking like this. Hey guys, uh, this is Brandon. <laughs> uh, welcome to, no, <laughs> nobody, right. nobody sign off. I'm gone. Right. right? No retention there. Put me to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting me to sleep. Hey guys, this is Patrick Moran. And uh, this is, no man, you have energy. You, you talk about it. So that's, that's what retains people. That's what gets people going. Um, And we have quite a roster of people that can Joe, his voice is magnificent. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to gas my man, but he's great. And his content is fantastic. It pisses me off. 
listen, yeah. he's going to piss a lot of people off, man, because a lot of people see he is coming for everybody's neck. Then we have uh, my man Spence is is coming into the game, and he's got a fantastic podcast called The Code of Conduct. Then you got Dave and Steve that not only have they 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 started off with the Bills guys, not even knowing each other. They just got met. met. It was like a match. <laughs> it was like a dating game. It was like, boom, you guys yeah. are together. Go. And now they went from podcasting to vidcasting, and they're coming into their own right now. And I mean, listen, man, we have the overdue product with Max. Listen, man, we have a whole bunch of guys out here. We just brought on the Hoof podcast. So we are growing. We're not going to stop. Um, and uh, and it's fun. It's fun. And we we specifically pick people that is going that are going to um, really engage with people and and, and have people uh, and, and engage back. Because if you see our live shows, man, we have and right now it's the off season. It's a long off season. And we have it is. 100 to 150 people watching us every night. Wait till the season starts. <laughs> We're going to be up to three, four, five hundred people watching. Engagement? Pardon me? Rico, how important is that engagement to you? Huge. Like when you're doing a show, because let's, let's just say you're doing an hour show, that's roughly what your stream will be, give or take a little bit. I feel like if you're sitting there in front of a camera and just talking with no engagement, it's harder to, to stay on. You know what I'm saying? But when I'm looking at comments and I'm looking at people asking you questions or, or having comments and you're engaging it makes not only does it make your show better, it just makes the entire viewing experience for the for the listener, for the viewer, a, a lot more entertaining as well. It absolutely does. And I give credit to podcasters because you don't have an audience. It's just you and your microphone. Right. And you've got to keep that same energy. At least when you're online, uh, you've got questions and comments. And here's the toughest part that people don't realize. We are we are our own producer. So when we're online, we're reading comments, putting the comments on the screen. Then we're trying to get into our topic and get our point across. But then you see a, a fantastic question posted in the chat. You don't want to let that disappear. So you answer that chat right away. First of all, now you've engaged with someone. Oh, wow. He just answered my question. This is amazing. I want to continue to keep going. Now you still got to go back to remember the original point you were making. So if you miss your point, you're dead in the water. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of multitasking. Uh, and still trying to maintain the engagement, man, it is a hell of a grind, man. <laughs> I'll tell you, people don't realize that. But when the product is done, that's when you're like, you can kind of take your rest and be like, okay, how did that sure. show go? Because I'm always critiquing mm-hmm. myself like you wouldn't believe. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. All content creators, yeah, we absolutely. critique, we critique. So, um, More yeah, than we should. You you get the drift, man. You I mean, you're in it. You do it every day. You're, you're <laughs> podcast 236 for crying out loud. Talk about consistency. Golly, man, good for you. Another thing too is you, you got to stay locked in once you start. Like I've done a, now your show is more you talking to the viewer, whereas mine is more having a conversation with one person per episode. But even that you got to stay locked in. Like sometimes you have an idea of where this interview is going to go or how it's going to go. And it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. And a question turns into something completely different and delves off and you're, you know, you're trying to keep your place here and, and not get rattled by something, which kind of was one more question I want to ask you about your show. So we talked about this, man, at the very top. Yep. I think like Joe Miller does well because I just love that dude's voice. I think Bruce Nolan is great because I just think he's an encyclopedia of football knowledge. I don't know many people who are smarter than him when it comes to being able to find little minute details of football and bring it to light so well. Your biggest strength to me is your personality, your energy that you bring. Now you do have a job. You have a family. I'm sure you got some shit going on in your life every now and then that that you know, could get you down. You could be having a bad day for whatever reason. But when that light comes on, that ring light goes on and the camera goes on and you're on the air, 
you, you got to be who you are for the viewers. That isn't always so easy to be able to put something behind you personally that's going on that's ruining your day, but being able to, you know, put that to the side so that you could have that positive energy that you need to put out a good show. That can be difficult, ain't it? It's At times. It's tough, man. It really is, man. Because like for me personally, I work the overnights. So I work the overnight. So I'm going from midnight to eight. And sometimes there might be some overtime hours. So I'm doing a 12 hour shift like today. I did a 12 hour and I'm like, hey, I got to record something today. And I am tired. I'm doggone tired. Right. So I get home. Kids are there. Wife is there. And I got to find that hour or two of time before they come down and bombard me and try to put some things together and maintain the energy so I can record, especially if it's not live. Right. The takes on right. takes on takes the screw ups that I do. My goodness. Like we all do. Right. Um, so, yes, it is incredibly tough. But what's um, satisfying is when the product comes out and you get uh, a lot of people saying, man, everything that you said, man, I was thinking that the other day. You, it's like you're in my mind. Right. Because that's what it came down for me, because I wanted to do this because there's someone that's out there that I, I want to express myself on my team that I love so much. And I may have the same thought process as somebody else. And the fact that they can relate and say, man, that guy, he's he's exactly what I'm thinking. Oh, I'm going to tune in for next show. I may say some hot takes that you're going to be like, yo, that was trash. And I have my Nate Peterman bit. Everybody's <laughs> trashing me for that. Right. And I don't give a damn because guess what? <laughs> Nate Peterman is still my guy. Nate Peterman. He's still my guy. But the fact of the matter is uh, there's going to be some hot takes going to be some cold takes. But the fact that you can reach people um, and they'll have uh, some kind of uh, relatability with you. Uh, that's what makes it fun for me. Um, and there's relationships built. There's guys that have been following for years. I know about their family. I know it's it's cool, man. It's really cool. It's a, it's a cool gig. And it's all done for the love of the the game, the, for the love of the team that you follow. Um, and just for the love of just engaging, man. It's really, it's really cool. It's Buffalo Fanatics, man. That's, uh, that's, that's the, that's the premise of our brand is to engage um, and and for those to for folks to know um, that they can come sit back, relax and listen to content creators talk about their team. For sure. So I'll tell you what, before I let you go, we've been going for almost an hour now. I have not asked you a single Buffalo Bills question. And Let's that's not it, an accident, by the way. Well, it's not an accident either, because, again, this is what I like to do on this podcast. I like to get people and talk about things outside of just what they do. My feeling is this: If you want to hear an hour, uh, if you want to hear a full hour of Buffalo Bills talk, go listen to Rico's show because he's going to give you that. Oh wait I'm a minute! Now. Wait a minute! Now don't pigeonhole I, me now because I I talk about all, all right, things. I won't man. pigeonhole you. All right, I talk fair about enough, fair relationships. Enough. I talk about all that stuff, but it sprinkles in, and this is why <laughs> you should have. You know what? You should have been a you should have been a slow jam radio DJ, ladies and back gentlemen. In my this day, is man. the Pamela Show. Tuned in with your guest Rico. Oh, I know, boy. <laughs> That's why when Joe when Joe Miller came on, I'll tell you this. This, this is the story. This is how this is how I started calling him the voice because the wife says the one thing that attracted me attracted her to me was my voice because I have a deeper voice and yeah and mm -hmm. and I was listening to Joe's podcast and she's like, uh, "Who's that?" I was like, "Oh, that's my man Joe." She's like, "Okay, so I know I always say I love your voice, but this guy's voice." is something. I started to listen to Joe a lot more and I was like, wait a second now. This boy's voice is is perfect. So yeah. that's how this came through. So the fact that you listen to my my voice right now saying, man, you could you could run a little DJ show. Hey, you know I can't. <laughs> I'll put it in there for you. 
Uh, I might have you start cutting some promos for me. <laughs> All right. Here's how I want to end with Buffalo Bills. I got yes, a sir. two-part question, and that's it, man. We're going to pretend here that we got somebody who's brand new to Bills Mafia, okay? And they're going to say, Rico, and let's, this is a kind of a good news, bad news. And let's do the bad news first because it's always best to end with good news. For sure. I have three things, okay? So if, if somebody was going to be a Buffalo Bills fan, but they said, you know what, Rico? I want you to tell me the bad news first. Give me three things about the Buffalo Bills that scare you the most going into this season. Like your three biggest question marks. So I guess that's how we'll say it. So three teams, three things that scare me the most about our 2020 Bills, our 20 Bills, right? Our roster right now, our team right now. Yep. As of right now, if the season was starting tomorrow, three things that scare me. Um, Three things that scare you the most. Yep. The question mark is still out on Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Although I like Josh Allen a lot, it's still a question mark with Josh Allen. That's the one. Uh, number two, uh, the one thing that I I would say would scare folks is uh, about this team is uh, I'm on the spot right now, but that's okay. I like that. That's pressure on. Yeah. Um, I am. By the way, for everyone listening, I didn't prep you with shit. That's okay. That's okay. That's, this is this is how stars are made. All right, <laughs> let's do this. Uh, so question mark with Josh with Josh Allen, our offensive coordinator. It needs to have a massive year. He scares me still. Although he had a, an improvement this year, he still scares me. All right. Um, and thirdly, what scares me about this team um, right now, you know what? I'll tell you, I'm in, it might not be popular, but when I see what the Pagulas are doing, uh, and I, I don't know too much about hockey, so don't, don't, don't roast me for this. But when I see, when I, I look know at where this, you're going, and this is going to be a good point. Go ahead. When I look at point, the Sabres, and I see, and I don't follow hockey, folks, so I'm going to tell you that right now. But when I look at the Sabres, and I don't see good things. <laughs> I, I don't hear or see good things about the Sabres. It makes me wonder if, will that trickle into the Bills uh, in the very near future? If they meddle too much. Uh, that scares me. Although I have good feelings about the Bills um, and that not happening. But it does sit at the back of my mind. I'm like, man, look what they're doing over there. Could that possibly trickle over into the Bills team right now? Those are the three things that scare me uh, about the Bills right now. I'll tell you what, dude. This is one of the few times where I do regret that we're not on video right now. Because then you'd be able to see me nodding my head in approval <laughs> as you said that third point. Because it's a great point and not a lot of people are talking about it. And I think it's very, very fair. Now, I do follow hockey and we're certainly not going to have no freaking hockey discussion right now. But... The ownership, the leadership with the Buffalo Sabres, with the Pagulas, has been horrific. Putrid, pathetic, absolutely awful. And it is a very valid concern to hope that it does not trickle over to this organization. Now, to their credit, I don't think it's going to. I think the Bills have good leadership in place with Brandon Bean. Agreed. And I think the Pagulas know that they got a good thing going on right now with McDermott and Bean. Whereas with the Sabres, they can't find the right coach and GM. To save their life. It's just a mess. But anyway, that's a very valid concern. I love that. Now, let's end by flipping it the other way around. So, I am going to become part of Bill's Mafia, and I want you to give me the three things about this team right now that excite you the most. Like, what are three things that are going to make me really want to be a Buffalo Bills fan so, this year? The the things that are going to make you want to be this is the youth infusion that you see with, with the Bills right now. You got a young quarterback in Josh Allen. Like I said, Although he's a big question mark, I still really like sure. him. He's got great potential. You have Zach, you got Zach Moss that just came through. You got Devin Singletary, which I absolutely love. Love Devin Singletary. 
Um, you got Gabe Davis that just came through. Uh, you got a young nucleus in um, in our in Sweeney and our tight end in Dawson Knox. You got a solid old line. You got Cordy Ford that just came through, and you got my man D Docks on the left side. So the youth infusion on this team with Trey White and Tremaine Edmonds. Don't get me started, boy. I get excited when I talk about this, right? So the youth infusion on this damn Bills team gets you excited. I like it, and I'm and I'm anybody that will come through and be like, yo, tell me what your team, yo, let me let me let me peep the roster and look how old these guys are and see what we're going to be doing going forward. So that's what excitement. That's number one. I'm sorry, I got, I got a little too excited there. I feel like ah, I'm on that's camera what in front you of do. Go right ahead. <laughs> so that's number one. Uh, number two, what you have to be really excited about is the tandem of of I'm gonna call him McBean, right? So you've got. I mean, I'm not going to call them. That's, that's their name, right? So you got Bean and McDermott. That combination, that tandem, the fact that they're both on the same damn page and they've, in three years, have turned this damn team around is, is something to be excited about. That And, and it's clear. They had a clear plan, and it, you could see it working right now. They had to make some tough decisions on moving people away from the team and, you know I mean, and really saving some money. Um, but we were still competitive. They've kept us competitive. So Brandon Bean and McDermott, those two, you've got to be excited. So if a fan that knows those, a person were to come to the Bills and knows nothing about the Bills, I'd say the youth infusion on this team and what you see with Brandon Bean and uh, McDermott has to be exciting. And number three, right now, I'd say what gets you excited about the team, I'm going to go a little outside the box, is the fans, the community, all of Buffalo. I And I've... I just I just actually had this in my last video um, of my live show was that you may know nothing about the Bills and you come to a game, you will be you're like, I want to do this again. That's what it's going to come down to the from the tailgating to when we celebrate in the stadium to the people in the town. I go there and it's like a second family to me personally, because a it's you go there you're like, yo, are you Rico from Buffalo Fanatics? Yes. Even if they don't know you and you're just. It's just one big, huge family community, and I love it. The vibe is right when you go to Buffalo, especially when you go to these games. So if you're looking to be excited about the team, let me recap that for you. It's, it's the youth infusion on this team. It's the tandem of McBean, McDermott, and Bean, and the community, the Bills fans, the city, the buzz when the games are going on, the tailgating, the whole shebang. That's your three right there. You got me excited, Pat. My bad. Let me give you back your show. I, I agree with you 100 percent i love buffalo i really do there's nothing like it man and i think that uh somebody who spent most of my life in buffalo sometimes you almost got to leave it to know how great it is when you when you don't have it anymore in your well i still have it in my life it's always going to be in my life and i'll be back at some point for good soon too but uh yeah there's nothing like buffalo <laughs> there's nothing like you either man i'll tell you what this is a lot of fun everyone yeah. out there if you're not already give rico a follow on twitter at rico underscore br Check out Buffalo Fanatics. At Real Rico underscore BF. My bad. BF, I have to put that in bad. there for you, bro. My bad. BF. Yes, sir. And fo- <laughs> follow Fanatics. Well, let's see, dude. You're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. You guys are on Instagram. You guys are on freaking everything. YouTube. Definitely YouTube. Growing every day. Friday nights your show's on, right? Yes, sir. Friday nights between 7 and 8. Uh, when I put the babies to bed, then uh, that's when the lights come on. <laughs> And listen, last but not least, I, I really want to thank you for doing this podcast. This was a little different than what I typically do. Didn't want to stick to sports today. I just thought that this is a message that uh, that's important. And I feel like even if just a small amount of people out there are listening, 
really get something from it and maybe make some changes in the way they think about things when it comes to race and then it's well worth it doing man you are great you're awesome listen man really i really you, appreciate uh you bringing me on man because uh this is i gotta give you credit man you've been this 236 36 is this is this show 236 yep my goodness man yep. that that in itself is uh should be applauded so continue to do hard work i've seen the people you bring on to man joe b uh you got Kristen ledlow marcel louis jacques you got on here matt bowen adam kaplan you you Urbic, Gilbert, like Joe Marino. Listen, man, you're like a little celebrity out here, man. So keep up. I'm proud of you, man. Keep grinding. And one of these days, I'm going to have to put some makeup on you and make you come on the show because you keep saying that you don't have a face for it. I'm going to make you come on my show and we're going to chop it up. That was a good conversation and parts of it were very important, I think, anyway. And I'll tell you what, before I get out of here for the day, before I dismiss you all, Let me jump on my soapbox here for just one quick minute, if you can indulge me, because there's something that I want to say, mainly because in a way I feel bad. I took one person and I'm talking about Nick Bat here in a series of tweets from him and Rico and I ended up having an entire discussion about race and racism. I don't regret any of that, but I want to make something clear, real clear here. And I hope everybody listening takes us to heart a little bit. And let me start with accountability for myself. Okay, I'm not a perfect person. I can guarantee you in my life that if I really sat down and thought about it, I'm sure that I have said some things that were racially insensitive to people, whether it was a buddy of mine, a stranger, who knows? I'm sure I've done it. In fact, I know I've done it. I'm not a perfect person. I know that I've also have said some things in my lifetime that I didn't intend for it to come out that way and it was taken out of context. There's no question about that. And you know what? If you're going to look at yourself in the mirror at home, 99.99% of you would probably come to the same conclusion. At some point, you said something that was insensitive, whether it was racial, whether it was sexual, whether it was something about homosexuals. Nobody's perfect. We've all said shit that we regret. And I'm sure you've also at some point in your life have said something that you didn't really mean and it was taken out of context and it really blew up in your face. Just remember that, folks, okay? Because I'm not defending what Nick Bat tweeted. It's indefensible. I mean, he pretty much comes out and admits to his great shame that at times he's been racist. That bothers me very much. But at the same token, I'm going to say this, man. I'm not great friends with Nick Bat, so I'm not going to go to that extent, but I know him well enough to know that I don't think he meant things quite in the way that they came out. And the only reason why, even after this long discussion with Rico, I'm even talking about this or one specific person here is because another thing that I can't stand is this cancel culture and this bullshit that is happening. The guy made a mistake. I truly believe he is contrite and remorseful for what he said. Now, whether he meant what he said or whether he didn't quite mean it and it came out wrong or a combination of both, which is probably the most likely scenario, he authentically and genuinely, in my opinion, wants to educate himself and wants to learn and wants to be better and wants to have a better understanding that, hey, man, you say some things that maybe you don't think are a big deal or you think you're just being honest, but they're very offensive and they can hurt other people. Take time and educate other people or yourself 
when it comes to stuff like that. You know what you don't do? Bully people and run them off. Okay, he'd made a mistake. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. There deserves to be consequence for him. Okay, I'm not saying they should be forgotten about. Oh, hey, everybody makes a mistake. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what? People, and I'm watching it every day on Twitter. Every time the guy tries to tweet something, whether it's a passage from a book that he's reading to try and educate himself, whether it's something regarding the Buffalo Bills, whether it's an episode of his podcast because he's trying to move on, people are just continuously bullying and trying to run him off Twitter. Is that going to make you happy if somebody F's up and somebody makes a mistake? That's what's going to make you happy? Running them off Twitter, running them off their podcast, running them off whatever it is that they want to do, running them away from their real job in real life? What do you get out of that? When you run somebody off, you cancel somebody, as people like to call it. To make you happy, to make you happy that somebody makes a mistake, somebody owns up to the fact they made a mistake, somebody is trying to get better and learn from their mistake, does it make you feel better that you win, that you run this person off Twitter, or you run this person off their Facebook, or you run this person off their YouTube show, or their podcast, or whatever it is that they do in life? Does it make you feel good that you got that W? You're going to take that W? You're going to hang it up on your fucking trophy case? When is enough enough? Because you know what? It's a completely different thing, but you're also part of the problem. If you're not willing to educate people, if you're not willing to work on making people see things the way they're supposed to see it, if you're not willing to help people, then you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. Because you know what happens, and Rico and I talked about this. Somebody who genuinely feels conflicted about something, who wants to be honest, maybe it's a cry for help. They're never going to say a freaking word because they're afraid. You know, if I'm feeling a certain type of way, I have this podcast. I've done 236 episodes. I tweet all the time. I have, which is not a great number, but it's a good number. I have over 5,000 followers on Twitter. People like, some of you out there that want to run somebody off so fast, you make me afraid to say what's on my mind. I'm afraid to because God forbid I tweet the wrong thing or I say the wrong thing on this podcast that offends somebody the wrong way. I'm going to get run off. I'm going to get canceled. That bothers me more than words could say. Now, if you're a bad person, if you're a shitty person, if you have a record of saying really shitty things, if you have a record of doing really stupid things, bad things, offensive things, and it keeps happening, or you don't show any remorse for your mistakes, and get the fuck out of here. Run them off. Cancel them. They deserve it. But that's not always the case. And when you're so quick on the trigger to get rid of somebody and cancel them so you can get that W on your trophy case, you, just as much as them, are part of the problem. And on that note, that is going to do it for today's episode. One more time, thank you very much, Rico. And thank all you. You know, I'm going to skip the normal scripted ending that I have here. Thank everyone who actually listened to this entire podcast and who's still listening now. Because you know, Talking Buffalo Podcast usually keeps it very light. I have people from the world of whether it's sports media, news media, athletes, bloggers, podcasters, entertainers, whoever it is. I have them on the podcast. We keep shit light. We talk about your life, your career your hobbies. We do the fun fact finale. That's the type of show this podcast generally is. But sometimes things happen in this world that just move me to do something different. 
Today was completely one of them. So if you're still listening, thank you very much. Hope you come back next week. I hope we all learn some lessons in life, whether it's race, whether it's sex, whether it's what kind of, are you a homosexual? None of that shit matters, man. We all need to be better, including myself, including myself. And I hope we get there. Have a good one. Brand new show coming up next Tuesday. (laughs) 